Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is my co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Coming fresh off the Bushy McBush race, 400 at Kansas Speedway, and in the end, a Bush won the Bushy McBush race, 400. <laughs> so I think that was fitting. There was two Bushes in the field, and so they had a two out of 38, 40 chance of, of winning the race, and it worked out, I guess, in the end for some people, but didn't work out for everybody. And Kansas is one of those tracks where most of the action comes during restarts, and we kind of saw that, people driving up and down and all over the place. I don't think I was as excited about the race as I thought I was going to be. How? What were your feelings? Well, first off, you just can't beat around the bush this past weekend at all. <laughs> yeah, don't beat around Sorry. the bush, Steve. Just get right no, to it. Just get right to it. Um, <laughs> you know... The package is interesting because it's a lot about the restarts and then passing somebody is a good 10, 15 laps of being two tenths better and running better laps. And then really, once you got to somebody, once again, you had to find a way around them. If they ran the same line you're running, then uh, you kind of had a problem with uh, getting by them. Um, For the most part, uh, except for the final result, uh, the day was really, really good. And it's the second week in a row that they did different things with strategy different things uh, with when cautions came out. Uh, the pit crew was awesome. The spotter was awesome. And at the end of the race, you were up on the front row with a chance to win. And if you could do that every week, uh, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs and you're going to go deep into the playoffs. Um, that's the things the championship teams do to win a championship down at the end of the year. So really everything's encouraging. The result didn't, didn't give us the encouragement we wanted, but on the front row, on the final restart, with a chance to win, and a car that physically could win, too. That's what's been exciting about this year so far. And you said the words I you know, was exactly going to say, is that this team is doing things that championship teams do. They're getting stage points every week. They're running up front every week. They're in position to win almost every week uh, since the, you know, once they kind of hit this hot streak. So... Yeah, like you said, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right into our Ryan Blaney race recap from this past weekend's race, the Bushy McBush Trace 400 at Kansas Speedway. Ryan Blaney race recap, Kansas Speedway. Okay, the uh, stages were 80, 160, and uh, 267, and the competition caution was at lap 25. Um, Ryan did start seventh, and uh, the two was on the pole. Um, now Todd, this is the theme for the day. He asks for the balance. He wants to know what the balance is like every time he talks to him. This is how they're going to adjust the car, whatever Ryan says, the, how the balance is. Um, the restarts get to be pretty wild. They get to be three wide. Um, by uh, lap three, he's P10. So the, he lost a little bit on the restart. And if you notice during the race on his restarts, if he's in the high line, he tried to go, go up and around the outside once in a while. And sometimes it worked for a laps and sometimes it took two, three laps and he ended up kind of getting caught, caught in a three wide situation. So, um, he, uh, lap four, he passes the uh, eight for ninth position 
And, uh, you know, it's starting to come to him after seven or eight laps. The car comes back, you know, into, into balance. The, the tire pressures go up. He passes uh, the 34 for eighth, passes the three for, for seventh. Um, and then uh, the five does pass him for eighth right around lap 20. So the comp caution comes lap 25. And uh, they talk about uh, where, where the balance is. And they take a little stagger out. They work on air pressure. They put tape on there. Um, they pit uh, going in eighth and come out 11th. Now, mind you, at this point, some teams are doing some strategy things where their pit stops might be a little bit uh, faster. Um, as this race goes on, you'll see that each time they pit, the car gets better. And he gains positions on the track, not just through the pit stop. So definitely the crew chief... And the, and the pit crew doing a great job getting the car better so that he can drive it faster. Um, they do start showing choose cones here. He chose the high lane and the leader went low. And this is, this is a big problem during the day too, because if the leader, wherever the leader takes that line goes a little bit faster. Um, so if the leader's in the high line, you want to be in that high line and, and vice versa. Um, but you also don't want to lose positions, you know, be, you know, four or five more spots back just because you want to choose a better line. Um, right away at their top of three on that restart. Uh, but lap 33 is up to nine. Talking about being kind of tight. Well, he, he says uh, a swear word here, but it's not uh, not as loose as he'd like it to be. Let's put it that way. Um, ends up kind of fading a spot or two to a P11 by lap 35. By lap 40, back up to 10. It's talking about it bouncing tight and bouncing loose, but it's getting better. You know, the longer the run goes, the more the, the, uh, the car is starting to come to him. It's been one of the like you already kind of mentioned it during these restarts. They get a little bit a little bit crazy, and that was one thing I mentioned to you. It, it seemed like as the race went on, and then we were getting into the closing stages of the race. You know, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes everybody three wide here because all race long he's kind of searching around during those restarts. And I think I said it to you that it just seemed like he was kind of testing, seeing what the car was capable of, going to the top, going to the bottom, trying to go to the outside, see what the runs are like, almost like you would at a super speedway race. And then as the car, uh, you're talking about the car, he would, these restarts a little bit crazy, and it seems like he would fade back a little bit, and then toward the end of the stage, he starts to creep back up again toward the front. So and it just seems like that was re re on repeat over and over again throughout this race. At the lap 40, the Todd asks him if it's bouncing on the splitter or the tires, and Ryan says he thinks it's the splitter. But lap 45, so about, uh, what about about 15, 20 laps into the run here, uh, only six seconds back of the lead. So even though he's like 10th, 11th position, he's really not losing a lot of ground on the leader. They're running laps similar to the lead. Um, lap 48, uh, Todd tells him it's a really good lap. And they're only they're three to four tenths better than the, than the cars in front of him at this point. So he's starting to gain all the guys in front of him the, uh, the longer the run goes. As a matter of fact, by lap 54, he's once again, he's only still six seconds back of the leader. So he's actually gaining on, uh, gaining on everything in front of him. Lap 56, he tells him that the, the, the front is turning better. and uh, But uh, by lap 60, he says he's abused the front tires a little bit because he's trying to pass, you know, and, and once again, the harder it is to, uh, to pass somebody, the more laps it takes, the, the more it takes out of the tires. But uh, J uh, lap 63, Josh tells him, you're going to be racing the next four in front of you here by the end of the stage. So um, he's gaining on all those, and uh, he passes – for uh, ninth ninth place on lap 67 todd at lap 71 tells him we're gonna work on freeing it up for you on the exit so you can do the type of things you want to do there lap 78 he passes the 20 for eighth uh, position ends up uh, getting some stage points at the end of stage one there eighth you know 
not exactly like amazing results, but it is something where you're we're kind of seeing where the car's coming along a little bit. They're just a few adjustments away from moving up a little bit higher into the top ten. And I think in this point in the race, when we're chatting a little bit, we're seems like eh, it just it seems like it's a, a top ten car. It's not at this point does it seem like something that they can go out there and and take the lead with and and dominate the rest of the way. So, um, but like you said, incremental gains every time they make a pit stop during these runs he's kind of seeing what he can do to the car he said he's used up his tires a little bit so maybe he's learned a little bit on what to do and what not to do during this next run yeah um ryan tells him he's a tight uh, entry and tight center and uh, todd says we're gonna go back on the stagger change a little bit this pit stop in eighth and out seventh you know they they gained a couple spots pit road there the choose cone leader takes the top and uh ryan takes the high high lane also so and Todd may, tells him to make sure the t- tires are scrubbed up good too. So this is something that uh, the tire wear uh, there. They they had uh, uh, Arca race was it on Friday or no Saturday morning right? So the Arca race they said something about the tire um, compound they use for Arca Arca cars is a little bit different and it may have been uh, kind of messing them up a little bit uh, on the track there. Um, once again the restart starts. He's top of three, top of four here at one point. <laughs> up to fourth place by lap 89 so you know he does a pretty good job making hay on the restart he does get past a little bit here but uh the nine and the two pass him so he's back to sixth and ryan does say somebody can't protect it like this so they're, they're it's still uh giving him issues to where he can't uh block the way he wants to block on somebody and this is that track if you guys remember where Joey Logano, I think, spent whole end of one of these races blocking Kevin Harvick or somebody over and over again. So not, that doesn't only just happen for the lead. That's happening all the way through the pack where you're in your mirror the most of the time trying to block runs or anticipate runs from other guys just the way this package works. Uh, between like lap 90, 92, he passes the four, the four passes him, he passes the four. <laughs> and Todd says, I can see what you're fighting. I'll work on it. So... 94 lap 94 the four passes him again he's up to eighth eighth position the 11 ends up passing him a little bit later on up to ninth but then he passes the eight for eighth so guys are coming and going you know if you made some improvements you might be a little better than one or two cars in front of you and uh, other cars behind you improved more than 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 you did and they're making the moves in front of you so um you know but it's still going forward everything seems to be working forward toward uh, the top 10 so um lap 114 josh tells him that you're better than these guys up front and just you know keep running nice and smooth laps uh lap 119 they do pit here with the the green flag cycle um four tires two rounds out of the right rear about eighth place and 11 seconds back uh, before the cycle starts so by lap uh 133 you know he's running some of his best laps of the race he's about four tenths better better than the guys in front of him and uh, so the, the moves that they made on the pit cycle worked out really good. Um, by lap 142, he gets up to seventh. Lap 144, he passes the 19th for, for uh, I'm sorry, not seventh, uh, th- 13th and now 10th. So everything's cycling through. There's a couple cars that have, by lap 145 still haven't pitted yet. Ryan says he needs a little more front turn. And uh, Todd asks about the bumps going away. And he says it's, uh, Ryan says it's much, much better. Uh, lap 151, he's up to, sixth place and uh, 14 seconds back of the lead so the cycle they lost about three seconds on the pit cycle uh, it's a long pit cycle because a couple cars stayed out uh, but they've gained some position during it too um, he basically passed a couple cars during the cycle 
from when it started. So he's, he's definitely faster in some of the cars that uh, pitted in front of him. Todd says, we can see that you're running down the two and the nine. And uh, the end of stage two, Larson won the stage, but uh, P6. So, you know, you know, getting his way up there, moving up a couple more spots and, and once again, more stage points at, uh, at the end of stage two. Getting a little bit more encouraged at this point in the race. I think I said earlier, I'm like, ah, maybe a lower top 10 car or something like that. But you're seeing these incremental gains happening in the handling of the car. He's able to be a little bit more racy, pick off a couple more spots during the pit cycle. And it's all right. Let's see. Let's see what we can do in this last stage. Uh, Ryan asks for uh, more help with center exit turn. Todd does some more air pressure in the front. When they pit, they go in six, then come out fourth. Um, so he's going to have uh, some clean air now a little bit. And uh, that's what he says. I get some clean air out there and I'll be golden. He says, Todd and uh, Ryan both congratulate the, the guys on the pit stop. The choose cone, the leader shows is high and Ryan ends up low. So he's in that second row. And once again, it's another crazy restart lap 170. Uh, he loses a position too on the, on the restart talks about being way, way tight. And this could be a product of the, of the actual just traffic. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily when you hear it, it's not necessarily what they did in the pit stop. Sometimes it's just the traffic and what's going on on that restart and trying to operate around other guys that are uh, uh, in that dirty air. Um, Plus they have probably made some air pressure adjustments and various other things. So yeah, it's really, really difficult to assess the state of the car or the state of the changes within the first few laps, especially in the midst of uh, the chaos at, at a restart at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, so lap 179, he passes the two for fifth place, and he's only about four tenths back of the four. Let's see, lap 186 is P5, but he's running down everybody in front of him. At this point, they're about 20 laps on tires. Uh, lap 190, Todd asks about the entry, and he says the entry's fine. So pretty good here on, on their entry. They're just working on the exit. Uh, asks about the temperatures, of course, because they probably want to put some tape on it too. Okay, at uh, lap 211, the pitting cycle starts. Uh, he's fifth at the basically at this point and nine seconds back. So in the next nine to 10 laps, he's P6, and the 17 hasn't pitted yet. And uh, 11 seconds back of the leader at this point, uh, the five car. So uh, they ask for him a balanced read on this. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he's still telling the same things, basically. But they're three tenths faster than the four and the 18 at this, po- at this point, 224 laps in. So the caution comes out uh, for the tire. Um, yeah, this Adam, is where it gets interesting, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this thing with the tire. Go ahead, Adam. You, you had a good, your best, your opinion is probably the best thing I've heard about the tire. So lots have been said about this tire since Sunday. Lots were being said while it was sitting there on pit road. So Tyler Reddick comes in, has this pit stop. And actually, this is a weird pit cycle because there's like three guys that get charged with uh, penalties for uh, uncontrolled tires, like all in one. So it was like a rash of these uncontrolled tire penalties all at once. And we haven't really seen that in a long time since they've kind of loosened the rules on this to where it really needs to be uncontrolled. Well, this one, no question, it rolls across pit road, lands out into the grass uh, at Kansas Speedway. So everyone's wondering what's going to happen. The 17 cars trying to play the long game along with several uh, other people trying to get this caution it seems like this is the golden moment for them this is what we've waited for essentially Uh, we're going to get this we're going to get this caution at the perfect time so nascar just kind of sits on their hands during this whole period and just waits and it's like okay well i guess they're waiting to to wait until everything cycles through but the problem is is that cars like the 17 and some of these other ones they can go like 
seven, eight, nine, ten more laps at this point, so it's not like the cycle's going to be over in one or two laps. This is going to be a while where, I mean, my feeling overall is that, you know, they kept saying, and in their explanation after the race, they did say exactly that, oh, we wanted to wait to see for things to cycle through, and we knew we eventually needed to go out there and get that tire, so they waited to throw the caution. Well, in my opinion, if the tire is seen as a safety hazard enough to where they need to eventually throw a caution, then that means it was a safety hazard when it first rolled over there and sat in the grass, and it was a safety hazard as it sat there that whole time, and then it was a safety hazard when they eventually threw the caution for it to go out there and get it. So, to me, if it's a safety hazard, it's a safety hazard. Throw the caution. Just be consistent on that, regardless of what this would impact Ryan's race or whoever your favorite driver is at the time. Yeah, it stinks if a caution comes in and it throws off your strategy or catches you a lap down. And I think I've heard some other people say this week in response to this, well, that's just one of the, that's just part of racing. That's one of the breaks that happens uh, throughout a race. Sometimes things will work in your favor, sometimes they won't. We discussed a little bit how this probably wouldn't have impacted Ryan that bad. He hadn't really lost the lead lap at this point. Um, they would have had to decide what to do pit stop wise, strategy wise, but I don't understand how. The tire sitting there was a safety hazard when they eventually threw the caution and how it wasn't a safety hazard when it first sat there in the first place. So I'm not really standing on a soapbox or anything. It's just it's I just want to see uh, things called the way they, they probably should be. So Consistency is, is, a, is a good word that you use there too, Adam, because uh, the reality is this week Darlington or at Bristol or Martinsville, um, a tire comes out of that pit box there and it bounces across pit road. And maybe it bounces over that little short wall up onto the track. Well, you definitely have to call a caution at that point. Just because this track has a bunch of grass out there, a football field worth of grass for it to sit in, makes it different. Um, that's, that's the thing that's kind of iffy about it, you know, that uh, every place is not the same, yeah. But the thing is, if you treat it the same, then you're right. It's a caution everywhere. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, yeah, there was 99%, 99.9% chance that it was going to be fine. It could have sat there all the way to the end of the race because of where it was, because of how large uh, of a field of grass that it was sitting on and how far away from pit road it was that it would never have been impacted. But we've seen it uh, when they started. Someone used this analogy on the radio this week when explaining it. They said, you know, they started putting safer barriers up at these tracks, and there's parts of the track where it's like they'll never hit that part of that wall. We don't have to worry about that part. And then here it comes along one of these races. They hit that part of the wall because, oh, well, we didn't expect that to happen. Well, it's racing. <laughs> you, you don't expect it. Just like we've spent all last week talking about Joey Logano's car getting up in the air after they've spent all these years trying to find ways for cars not to get up in the air. And it's like, oh, well, you know, if they crash and spin on their own right now, they're probably not going to not going to flip up into the air but oh if another car hits him though then now now that's out of the, out the window and they yeah, they will go and flip up in the air it's like well <laughs> so anything could have happened somebody somebody could have eventually spun down through the grass hit the tire it flies i don't know it's a safety hazard is a safety hazard so if it's a safety hazard when it first got there it's that should immediately trigger the caution even if it would ruin a race for some guys here and there. But luckily, for the most part, there's always a race next weekend or the weekend after that. Yeah. It's funny you said that some people have been saying, well, that's racing. You know, what they did is, well, that's racing. Well, yeah. 
Also, throwing the caution, you could have said the same thing. Well, that's racing. A couple people got trapped a lap down because something goofy happened. You know, NASCAR does a lot of things sometimes, and I got to wonder what's going on, you know, how they figure it out. Because I've seen races where there's been uh, green flag pitting, and everybody pit but one car, and a caution comes out, and that car should be the only car on the lead lap. But all of a sudden, he's not. There's seven, ten other cars on the lead lap, and they all start in front of him, even though he's in first place. You know, I've seen all kind of things like that. So, you know what? Just call the caution. <laughs> Somebody would have went down through there and launched that tire somewhere. <laughs> you know, we'd be having a different story right now. Yeah, funny part is, none of this really got my blood pressure up during the race. It was just like, oh, well, I guess it's going to be there. It yeah. doesn't affect Ryan that much either way, so we'll see how, how it goes. So I think yeah. we can move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, they pit here. Um, they go in fifth and out fifth, and the 22 took two tires, so he got he gained a bunch of track position. Um, but uh, they did, a, did some adjustment to make sure he had, was uh, better firing off. Uh, the choose cone, the leader chose the high, and Ryan uh, actually chose the low. So uh, the lap, lap two, 235 is the restart up to fourth. He's racing with the 18. The 11 takes the lead. And then the caution at lap 243 for the 11. And Ryan's up to third at this point. So um, he's only got eight laps on the tires. So, so he stays out. And we get into one of those situations now where it, it's, a, it's a crew chief call. He stays out. How many cars behind him stay out? you know, between him and the cars with four tires. And, uh, you know, I think it was about eight, six to eight cars. So there's a little bit of a buffer there, but is it enough of a buffer? Is eight laps on tires enough, you know, enough laps where they can still get away with it? Yeah, this is where you kind of talk me off the ledge a little bit because my immediate message to you was, here we go again. <laughs> we're, we're sitting up, we're out there with the, actually a chance now, a surprising chance to me to be a contender to win this race and then it's coming down to a, a pit call on tires just like it, it did a couple of times last year yeah um and you know what's funny is, is it still depends on how good your car's handling too you know because there are a bunch of guys who took two tires and didn't really ever gain any positions in the next bunch of laps and there's one guy who did uh there was brad but his car was handling better than a lot of those guys too. So, so like I said, seven cars stayed out. And then the first two off of pit road only took two tires too to try and gain track position on the other guys. Uh, the choose cone, the leader, uh, the five took the high and Ryan uh, took the high at this point. Um, lap 249, the restart with 18 to go. Uh, he's P3. He's racing the number two at this point. And at uh, lap 251, P4. And then there's a caution for the 47. They stay out. And uh, like I said, some other, other guys ran in and trying to get some tires. Um, but this is where it's interesting. He, the choose cone happens. The leader goes high and Ryan goes low. So line, Ryan ends up lined up behind the 18. The green happens with 10 to go. And he pushes the 18 to the lead and pushes himself to second place. And, uh, you know, this, then the caution comes out for the 20 and, 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 and you know, and some others there and uh, the 18 leads, like I said, and Ryan is up, up to second now. So now we're, we're going with a green, white checkered. They ran enough caution laps in there to make sure it was green, white checkered. Now the, uh, the choose cone and, you know, wherever, uh, wherever the 18 goes, we're going to go opposite. And uh, here's the thing about the last two weeks, the inside line on those restarts is the better line uh, and a green, white checker situation. Uh, you've got the out of bounds line below you. Um, the goofiness seems to all happen above you 
and you could just concentrate on basically going forward. So, you know, what happens to Ryan here on this restart, uh, you know, nice save. I'm sure that nobody is happy about the finish because of what ends up happening. Larson did kind of apologize in some different interviews I've seen and heard. The reality is, is he was trying to win the race too. And he messed up two people's races. He messed up his and he messed up somebody else's. Yeah. And if we haven't described it, I mean, most people listening to this podcast probably know, know exactly what we're talking about. So the restart happens. Ryan's on the outside. Kyle's on the inside. Kyle Busch is on the inside. Kyle Larson's behind Ryan. They immediately come out from this restart and those two kind of break off into almost just a tandem draft. And, you know, Ryan's kind of slipping up the track a little bit. They get into the turn where oftentimes at this point, the push from the restart has already made the car separate. Well, Larson never got off the gas or never, they never made any separation. So they're going through this turn and Larson is just pushing through Ryan as they go through the turn, which most will tell you, and this is kind of what uh, Larson brought up in his post-race, that, you know, you really I kind of learn that for the next time that I can't really push a guy all the way through the turn because what will happen, Ryan starts getting squirrely, goes sideways, they slide up into the wall, and as you said, it pretty much ended both of their both of their days. So it was a low point for me, like when that caution came out. Um, as far as their decision to pick the outside, I thought it was the right call just because you have a chance to win the race. Why would you not want to start on the front row and then see what happens? Easily, this could have went way better. Larson could have got that huge push for Ryan and sent Ryan out in front, and he could have dove down in front of Kyle, but that's not what happened. So, The interesting thing is actually Larson's choice on this. Larson chooses to go high with Ryan, and what should have been communicated to Larson is that the next car behind him was the 19th. So you basically let the teammates line up in the low line when what he should have done was went to the low line, made the 19 hang out behind Ryan. And then you would have seen four wide, probably <laughs> going into two instead, because, you know, Kyle would have been, Kyle would have been, or Kyle Bush would have been Kyle Bush trying to do what he needed to do. Larson would have not probably pushed quite as hard because he would have wanted to go around Kyle Bush. And I don't know what Truex would have done in that case because he wouldn't have had his teammate in front of him. Um, by letting, basically, um, letting uh, Truex be behind Bush, he just lined it up and made it easy because they've, you know, they know what they're going to do. My immediate reaction was anger. <laughs> not going to lie. And then I, I got to see the replay a few times after that, and I'm like, okay, it's not. I think I saw it with angrier eyes than what in reality happened. Um, so I got over it. Luckily, Ryan was able to finish in the, the stages in the top 10, get some stage points early on in this race, and then finish his 21st. Now, the biggest thing that this will do for him is his start for Darlington is going to be back there. I, know, I think someone people have done some math where he's in like 16th or 17th area. Am yes, I correct? 16th is what I've seen. Um you know, yeah, that it hurt. It hurt the start for the next race, but the reality is, like I said at the beginning, is all race long they got better and better and better. They went from being a top ten car to a top five car to being on the front row with a chance to win the race with a car that can do it. And the driver, you know, he needs the car to be able to help him. And and they they made all those adjustments all race long and got to that point where he could win the race. And they've done it a couple weeks in a row now. 
and they just keep showing that they can do that. So that's the most encouraging thing. This, the finish is horrible. The finish is not what anybody wanted. But what the team did to help the driver all race long was exactly what you want in the, in the weeks and months to come. So Ryan comes home from the Bushy McBush race with a 21st place finish. If we take a look at the point standings, he remains in the fifth position, 111 points back from Denny Hamlin. I know we had a little bit of conversation last week on the projected playoff standings. It's a little bit weird. The NASCAR.com playoff standings put Ryan in the fifth position. I don't think they're you know, taking into account some of these other bonus points and other things that um, you will get at the end of the regular season for the stage victories and then the other points that come along with that. So we've seen it in some other places where uh, I know Larson did pick up another stage win in this past race, giving him four, and Ryan has three. So at some point in some of the other projections, Ryan was second in the playoff points. I don't know if, if this Larson finish is going to mess with that. He might drop down yeah, a little bit th- th- uh, due to that, third, the yeah, third. So, yeah. So, yeah. So still top five in the uh, projected playoff standings, depending on which uh, website you choose or which TV show you choose to follow. So still in a really good spot. Those stage points help definitely. And, I mean, 21st isn't the worst of the worst. He could have crashed out and finished in the 30s. So not that bad of of a weekend. It was really great, like you said, to see them work on the car and improve it all the way through. So... I think that's going to wrap up our uh, race recap for Ryan Blaney's race in the Bushy McBush Race 400 at Kansas Speedway. This week in NASCAR history. Okay, Steve, I've cracked open my NASCAR history book for this week's edition of This Week in NASCAR History. Kicking it off, we're going to May 7th, 1955. A wild youngster, Junior Johnson, drives an Oldsmobile to his first career NASCAR Grand National Victory at Hickory Speedway in North Carolina. Next up is May 9th, 1964. Fred Lorenzen wins his fifth consecutive NASCAR Grand National start in Darlington Raceway's Rebel 300. Lorenzen outruns Holman Moody teammate Fireball Roberts as Fords finish 1, 2, 3, and 4. Moving on, we go to May 9th, 1971. Sophomore driver Benny Parsons scores his first victory in the NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Series winning by lapping the field in the 100-mile event at South Boston Speedway in Virginia. Parsons Ford finishes a lap ahead of runner-up Richard Petty. Up next, we go to May 5th, 1985. In one of the most miraculous comebacks in NASCAR history, Bill Elliott rallies from a 5-mile deficit without the aid of a caution flag and wins the Winston 500 at Talladega. A broken oil fitting had knocked Elliott nearly two laps off the pace early in the race. And our final date for this week in NASCAR history, we go to May 6, 1991. Harry Gant finishes the Winston 500 at Talladega on fumes and coasts around the finish line, 11 seconds ahead of runner-up Darrell Waltrip. Kyle Petty breaks his leg in a crash on the backstretch, knocking him out of action for three months. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again next week as I break open the NASCAR history book and take you on a trip. Back in history. (laughs) Back in history. (laughs) Steve, I'm happy to report for the first time in the long and storied history of the Team Blaney podcast, we have some Dave Blaney news to report. Dave's everywhere this past week. Uh, he was on TV with Ryan doing the uh, premiere of uh, the, uh, the throwback paint scheme for Darlington. And then uh, later in the week, uh, he showed up at Sharon Speedway 
to race with uh, Tony Stewart's All-Stars. Yeah, so like you said, action-packed week for Dave at this point. So he joins Ryan Blaney on NASCAR Race Hub. They unveil the throwback paint scheme for this weekend's race at Darlington for the number 12 Ford Mustang. Highly anticipated. We saw they gave a little bit of a tease on social media a little bit before that Dave was going to be joining Ryan, so all these thoughts are going through my head. What's it going to be? They've already done the 77 paint scheme. Is it going to be uh, like a Golden Corral throwback? Is it going to be a Sprint Car throwback? Is it going to be a Lou Blaney tribute? Um, it's none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so what they do, right, they, they end up throwing all the way back to Ryan's career as a super late model driver, and uh, so it's his black and red and white number. Well, he was a number 10 at that point, super late model that he ran for DB Racing. And the re- da- reason Dave is there is this because it's a car that Dave built for Ryan mm-hmm. when he was first starting out. And they said a paint scheme that Dave actually helped had a hand in designing. Yeah, it was kind of cool that uh, Advanced Auto Parts is on the car. And um, it, it does, if you see the side by side, it's almost exact, you know, so it's a really nice throwback. It's a really nice thing that they were able to do for Ryan. Um, some of these throwbacks go different directions. I know Larson's throwback is, is a throwback to one of his cars growing up too. So, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to see all the different things that the different drivers are able to do with the throwbacks. And I think part of the reason why they picked this car, um, not only just a throwback to something of Ryan's from the past, but advanced auto parts has had this, I don't know the exact name of it, but this like short track, contest that's going on where they're uh each uh week ryan's had like a different track on i think the a pillar of his car that's that's promoting one of these short tracks that's in this contest that if they win they're going to get some money pumped into them from advanced auto parts to help spruce up short tracks around the country so advanced auto parts is on this car this throws back to one of ryan's short track paint schemes from when he was growing up racing at a lot of these tracks so i think it goes hand in hand with each other works out and it's a really cool car if you didn't even know what it's throwing back to the way that this paint scheme works out with the the red and black and black rims and the white advanced auto parts on the hood and on the quarter panels really really sharp looking car it was also really great to see dave again on tv with ryan talking a little bit more giving some insight into ryan's racing career and how they kind of kick-started things for them yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of nice that the paint scheme gets away from the Penske paint scheme. And Penske has a certain design and style that all their cars um, end up in at some point. So it's kind of cool that this car is a little bit off of that. And so it's going to be a lot different to look at on Sunday afternoon. So moving on to a little bit later in the week, Dave brings out his number 10, another throwback sprint car that throws back to, to some of Lou Blaney's old paint schemes, pays homage to that. He takes it to Sharon Speedway again. For I think they called this the Buckeye Cup, the All-Star Circuit of Champions, six thousand dollars to win. Dave qualifies in the ninth position. I believe you were talking about him actually setting one of the fastest times in hot laps. Uh, so he goes out, qualifies ninth. He starts uh, heat one in the second position outside of the 5K of Adam Kekich, who has some connections to Sharon Speedway and the Blaney family a little bit there. Dave goes out and wins Heat 1, so this is his first race of the year out in the sprint car. Wins Heat 1, starts in the 6th position in dash number 1, finishes 5th in the dash, and then goes on to the 30-lap A-Main, starting from the ninth position at Sharon Speedway. He ends up throughout this A-Main, survives some things, races his way from ninth all the way up to the 3rd position, 
things looks great. That's pretty good. Good finish for his first start out of the year. Almost everyone, all these series have a rule that when you come off the track, a certain number of cars have to pass over the scales. Dave finishes third, bypasses the scales, kind of breaks that rule, ends up credited with a 25th place finish in this race, uh, this all-star circuit of champions race at Sharon Speedway. So kind of an up and down night. I mean, we know that he went out there and finished third. We never really got an explanation on what happened there when he missed the scales at the end there. Um, So, but all in all, a good debut finish. And then the good news is Dave's going to be back out at Sharon Speedway again when the World of Outlaws come to town, which is the first time in a while that the World of Outlaws have been at Sharon Speedway May 22nd. You're going to see that number 10 sprint car with Dave Blaney behind the wheel again. So if you're in the area or if you're looking to travel, you can go to and you want to see Dave Blaney race. You can see him. He's on the schedule for May 22nd at Sharon Speedway with the World of Outlaws. Yeah, um, you know, he's he's going to run a very limited schedule as it is. Uh, so if you do get a chance, uh, you know, come on up to Sharon. I'm sure that uh, whenever Ohio Speed Weeks comes by, he, he'll, he'll probably come up for that event, too. Um, but the World of Outlaws, you're right. Sharon Speedway hasn't had them. They were, I think, last year they were supposed to be there, but with everything that happened, um, that that schedule got messed up and changed. Uh, so here they come this May, and uh, it should be a good night up there in uh, May 22nd. So just one thing to mention too, if you've been following the team Blaney Facebook and Twitter social media accounts this past weekend, if you want to get a look at this number 10 sprint car that we've been describing, I actually spent uh, my weekend, part of the weekend. Uh, painting up a car in Photoshop uh, to be used in iRacing, on the Sprint Car Series in iRacing. So I did a a replica of this number 10 car. Uh, It's sponsored by DRE, which is the custom trailers company that Dave is uh, uh, one of the partners in. They also have uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on the car. They have the Fund a Fellow program as another one of the sponsors out there on the car. One of the cool kind of throwback things that's it's not really throwback, but I think just somebody that's helping Dave out. There's a Bill Davis Trucking uh, sponsorship up on the top uh, inside of the top wing. So lots of cool little Blaney Easter eggs essentially on this car. And the overall look of it, as we were saying, throwbacks to throws back to kind of the classic paint schemes that Lou Blaney would run on his white and red number 10 sprint cars and then modifieds going on. So really, really cool car. If you're into iRacing like I am, but I've definitely recently got into it pretty big time, you could find the paint scheme. I've gone ahead and upload it to their trading paint service. You should be able to get that free of charge and start racing that on your own. So, But again, if you want to get a uh, sense of what this car looks like, if you didn't see it when he kind of ran it a little bit last year, some of the sponsors have changed a little bit going for 2021. So this is the most updated version of that. I got a photo and then some renderings of the sprint car on there. Check that again out on the Team Blaney social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter. Ryan Blaney Weekend Preview. Darlington Raceway. Okay, Steve, now it's time to take a look at this weekend's race, the Goodyear 400, Sunday, May 9th, Mother's Day, at Darlington Raceway. It's throwback weekend, so since we're at multiple dates at Darlington this year, they've actually taken throwback weekend, which they've also run previously, coinciding with the Southern 500, but now that there's two dates, it kind of gets its own special weekend this year. So the Goodyear 400 NASCAR throwback weekend, Darlington Raceway, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. You can watch it on TV on Fox Sports 1 or listening to it on the radio on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. This specific race, again, 400 miles stage breaks come at lap 90, lap 185, and the checkered flag will fall at lap 293. Taking a look at Ryan's statistics, 
at Darlington, he's made eight starts at this track too tough to tame or the lady in black or whatever you you want to call it he has an average start of 11.4 and an average finish of 20.4 and this is one of those tracks for ryan where he's got goose eggs the whole way through no wins no top fives no top tens uh, last year they ran it three times because yep. of the, the okay for pandemic and the last one would be the playoff one um, and it has a starting position of seventh there, but I do believe that the starting position actually ends up, he ends up having to go to the rear of the field because of the penalty, correct? Yeah, so I think they, since it was his official starting position, it'll say that in the record books going forward. But we know this is the point where they left, this is where they left ballast in the car, is that correct? And they end up with the with that, they yeah. kind of discover that during... Uh, pre-race inspection they said it was kind of a mistake where they left this extra weight in there that they use at the shop so it wasn't a like a malicious thing or you know them trying to sneak something through so kind of a mistake and they get sent to the rear of the field for this one they were going to start up front um his previous finishes last year in those three races uh the first race he was 16th the second race 21st and then in the southern 500 he finished 24th after starting deep in the field. So, like I said, his average finish is around 20th, but it really has not been uh, the best track for Ryan in the past. Well, what's interesting is the first two of last year were, um, I believe, the same weekend, if I'm not mistaken, because it was the, the fifth race and the sixth race of the season. The playoff race, he starts at the back of the field, and they only finish um, a lap off the lead lap in 24th. So if he would have started in that seventh position, I think if the finish would have been a lot better. I think that they, they learned some things at the end of the year last year. And I think they're going to apply it this weekend. Um, they are going to do a different package, though. NASCAR is going with uh, less downforce, more horsepower this weekend. Um, so expect to see a lot more guys be really loose as they uh, got to be a lot more careful on the accelerator. Plus, this is during the day. So, I mean, this race is starting at 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, the weather in the south, I can tell you, has been hot uh, the last uh, week or so. So daytime race in the hot weather on this Darlington surface that is not very forgiving at this point. It eats up tires. And I've heard some guys say uh, that, you know, they want fresh tires, you know, seven laps into a run. But unfortunately for them, if it goes green, that run needs to be about 40, 45 laps. So they're already screaming for tires, you know, a handful of laps into this thing. So in that daylight, in the heat high tire wear yeah this is going to play into the hands of some of these guys like maybe kyle larson tyler reddick that really love running some loose race cars up against the wall and um we'll see how ryan feels about this that this weekend the 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 bigger thing is that uh, if they get a long green flag run especially in the final stage you may see some cars pit extra in other words short pit and just to get the fresher tires to run two seconds a lot faster for 10 more laps than anybody else to see if if they split that stage into into you know thirds maybe they're going to be able to uh to make up the time and get closer to the lead um plus reality is is that some of these guys are going to probably slip up especially in the heat and like i said with the package they're, they're going to bring this weekend you might see some guys hitting the wall and causing some more cautions than usual 
there's some bright spots in his finishes here. So if you go back to 2018, he finished 15th. In 2019, he finished 13th in the Southern 500. Again, at those points, they're only running Darlington once a year. Like you said, last year is a little bit unique where they actually ran it three times. And then I think kind of as a incentive to them, they get a second date back this year. So there's some points there, and I think they're actually possibly in this 2018 race. I could be wrong, but I think they did run a similar um, package to that. They ran a 750, uh, a high horsepower, low downforce package. So they're kind of going back to that. Only concern I have for that overall, just over the, the races, is I thought, though I think Harvick came out and won the first race back, and I can't remember if Hamlin won the second race or not. We'll look at those stats in a little bit. But I thought the racing was actually kind of good in that previous package. So we'll see what this does um, to the racing this weekend. Let's take a look back at the winners of the last several races here at Darlington Raceway. Let's go back to 2016. Sounds good. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. went to victory lane in the in the lone race there at Darlington. 2017, Denny Hamlin did. 2018, teammate Brad Keselowski takes the victory. 2019, Eric Jones, when he was still with Joe Gibbs Racing, takes the win. And then this first race back, after that pandemic race, race back there last year, you're right, Kevin Harvick did win. And then Denny Hamlin, who was one of the fellow drivers that dominated all season long, he went to victory lane. And then in that fall race, the Southern 500, Harvick wins again. So Kevin Harvick's one of those guys that's people will say is struggling this year. That team's just off. They, you know, they're out to lunch. Yet if you take a look at their finishes, might tell a little bit different <laughs> different tale where he's, you know, in multiple top tens in a row, uh, not sitting too bad in points. So um, plenty of guys out there that would love to have what the kind of season Kevin Harvick is having this year. But I guess when you win nine races and then you come out this many races into this 2021 season, you haven't won yet, uh, just like Denny Hamlin, People are going to think there's something wrong, but um, obviously we want Ryan to uh, perform, come out of that 16th place uh, potential starting position and move up through the field and like he did this past weekend and have a chance to win. Um, but jumping ahead, if uh, when we get to our fantasy picks, I think uh, Kevin Harvick's one of those guys you really uh, got to consider starting this weekend. Sooner or later, the Stuart Haas guys are, are going to have a good race. They really are. I mean, it's just a matter of time here. And I don't know if it's the whole team, at least – at least Harvick. I know they've got a new uh, rookie in Chase Briscoe that's starting out again this year. Cole Custer's got his second year under his belt. Eric Almirola is one of those guys that at some point will break out and just bust out a bunch of top tens in a row. He might not be winning every week, but I think he definitely has that in him, in him at some point this year. So, But Harvick's always been the, the Pied Piper of that group, and it's not going to be very long before he wins a race, just like Kyle Busch last week. Uh, at least this year, we don't have to hear all year long about how he hasn't won a race yet. He gets it done a little bit early in the season. And at that point, you know, Kyle is, what, the 10th different winner in 11 races this year? Do you really put much into that overall, that we've had so many different winners, with Truex really being the only one that's gone uh, to victory lane twice? Well, the scary part about that is that there are some guys who haven't won yet who you know are going to. You know that uh, Hamlin and Harvick uh, are going to get their way up in there, and 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 at some point you're going to have maybe 14 or 15 guys before the playoffs start, and it, you know hopefully Matt DiBedetto gets one of those wins too, so he doesn't have to worry about it. But uh, 
yeah, it's getting kind of crazy because there's still a bunch of races left before the playoffs even start. And there's a lot of potential for a lot of different guys to get up in there and win, let alone somebody surprised with a win, you know. And it's good you brought up Matt Benedetto because he's another one that struggled early on in the season, but he's been putting together fairly solid races, not really setting the world on fire, but getting close to the top 10. I think he, this is uh, the first time this Wood Brothers car has had back-to-back top fives, I think they said. Um, I thought maybe that's something Ryan had done during his tenure there, but he actually did it. So first time in a long time where this team's seen back-to-back top five. So they're trending in the right direction, and I think they're only about eight or ten points out of that 16th place spot in the standings. But if you're Matt Benedetto, you also really need to win this year in that car, in this essentially in this Penske equipment, if you want to set yourself up for a successful ride next year because we kind of all already know Austin Sindrick's going to be taking over that 21 car in 2022. So again, plenty of people to watch. Ryan is, like we said, statistically a little bit middle of the road here at Darlington, but we're definitely going to be among the people tuning in this weekend, Mother's Day weekend, so watch the race with Mom. The Goodyear 400, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, May 9th. Tune in on FS1 or listen to it on the radio on MRN or Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. All right, Steve, so we kind of gave a little bit of a preview of who maybe some of the people to watch this weekend at Darlington Raceway, but let's take a look back at the our NASCAR Fantasy Live, Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League starters that we used last this past weekend at Kansas Speedway for the Bushy McBush Race 400. I just keep bringing that up because I want to keep saying the name of that race uh, as many times as we can before we move on from it. Um, taking a look at my starting lineup, I started Kyle Larson, which seemed like that was working out okay. started Alex Bowman. They had some problems during the race. William Byron, Tyler Reddick, whose team was the one with the infamous uncontrolled tire penalty, Eric Jones, and then I had Ryan in the garage. I guess I was hoping that um, he was somebody that, or at least maybe I could will him into a, a victory or you know a really great finish here, but I did end up leaving him in the garage during this, so I didn't change any of my starters. I believe I had... Uh, Martin Truex Jr. as my race winner. I had William Byron as my top Chevrolet. I had Brad Keselowski as my top Ford. I had Denny Hamlin as my top Toyota. I had picked uh, Toyota as my winning manufacturer, and that worked out for me. I had picked Team Penske as the winning team. That didn't exactly work out for me overall. So with this kind of lineup of drivers, wasn't that great of a weekend for me. How'd you do? I had Ryan, Brad, uh, William Byron, Logano, Larson. Um, So, you know, at one point it looked really, really good (laughs) um, until the final restart. (laughs) So, But, I mean, if Ryan and Kyle stay near the front, then I would probably gained a lot more points. I did have Ryan winning this weekend. I thought they got back to a mile and a half. Um, How good he was at Atlanta, I kind of thought this was going to be just a really big weekend for them. And really it was, like I said, until what happened happened, uh, you know, a, a top top three or four or five finish would have been great. You know, so, uh, you know, it didn't wasn't a big points day for me. I kind of lost a little bit of movement in the standings, but uh, a lot of people were moving and shaking in the, in the uh, points this past week. What's pretty awesome about this week is that finally I see Mez 12 and Team Blaney Admin on the same screen. Uh, when I'm going through the standings here, just based on uh, the point totals from Kansas alone, where you racked up the 33rd most points with 163 for the weekend, and I racked up the 41st most points 
uh, with 153. So just 10 points between us. This is a historic moment. I should probably screenshot it. Um, <laughs> taking a look at the top, fri- top five uh, most points, uh, Kansas for the team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, Rogue Tough, Came home with 249 points. In second, we had Go Larson. In third, we have the Prime Minister 3 with 234 points. Doug K0525, who's been leading in our point standings, had another really good weekend with 223 points in fourth. And then the Dalai Lama 4, another one that's up there in the overall standings, brought home 218 points. So that's the top five people as far as points go at Kansas alone. Let's switch over to the overall Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League top 10 standings and we've got moon cup leading the way with 2117 points in second we have clyde's chicken pit racing in third we have the aforementioned doug k0525 and fourth dropping a position in the top 10 standings we have mez 12 in fifth we have the dalai lama four in six we have i'm a winner in seventh we have blaney's daisy in eighth we have super mod in ninth we have vans 12 and then rounding out the top 10 we have go larson with 1967 points that's the top 10 in the team blaney nascar fantasy live league like we were talking about this weekend heading into darlington I think Denny Hamlin's one of those guys you have to take a look at. Kevin Harvick's one of those guys you have to take a look at. Um, Brad Keselowski is a past winner there. Maybe somebody like Eric Jones can take that 43 car. He's a past winner there. Maybe he can get it to a decent finish, though. He's going to be, I think, starting a little bit back in the field. Um, I don't know that this is one of those weeks you want to start, Ryan. Maybe if you want to... um, Maybe reverse jinx it or something. I don't know. He might be able to, to to get up there, get him some motivation, but... Um, some interesting people that you want to might want to take a look at. Take a look at Larson. Take a look at Reddick. Some of these guys that are really good on some of these high wear slick tracks. Kyle Busch. Uh, now that he's won one, he's one of those kind of guys that uh, the floodgates kind of open maybe for him a little bit. Um, it's kind of scary. Once he wins one, he might win two or three. Um, you know, Martin Truex. You know, he's won two already, and um, he's really good at this type of stuff too. So. I have a feeling that one of those two guys, and then again, once again, Hamlin is due to win a race sooner or later. So all the Toyota guys pretty much have a really good chance this weekend. Yeah, I think I'll go on record. We haven't really made too many predictions the last couple of podcasts, but I think I'll go on record saying this is the weekend that Denny Hamlin breaks out and wins a race and becomes the 11th different winner this season in the NASCAR Cup Series. Well, Steve, thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Team Blaney podcast. And I want to thank everyone else for tuning into this episode. If you would like to learn a little bit more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our first episode of the podcast that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on all of the popular podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio, too. Once again, to close out the show, I want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on Twitter at RBFamFoundation, and then finally on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RBFamilyFoundation. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. <laughs>